This is Don't Forget the Small Stuff, and today we're talking about Back to the Future. Wait, we can't record today. The equipment's wrecked. Wrecked? When the hell did this happen? Or why wasn't I told? Oh, God. Why am I always the last to hear about these things? <laughs> Welcome to Don't Forget the Small Stuff, the podcast that celebrates the overlooked or forgotten little moments in films. I'm Jess, and with me today is Maddie. Hey. And Andy. Hi. And yes, as I said, today we're talking about Back to the Future. Um, But let's just address the elephant in the room in the fact that this is our first ever episode. Uh, How is everybody feeling about recording today? When I say everybody, I mean the two people at the table with me. Oddly nervous. Yeah. It is an unusual sensation. Ultimately, we're just talking about something we've all watched several times. So, but yeah, excited to be here. Good. That's... It's nerve-wracking, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Back to the Future was released in 1985. It was directed by Robert Zemeckis, starred Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd. Interestingly, I didn't realise this, it won an Oscar. It won the Oscar for sound effects editing. And it got nominated for three others. Um, I've just looked on IMDb. It's got an 8.5 score on IMDb and is number 30 overall in the top their top 250. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 97% fresh rating. So it's critically well received as well. Um, it had a budget of $19 million and its box office takings, according to Wikipedia, were... 388.8 million so it's fair to say that it was a um a success financially and um critically and did you remember the first time you watched back to the future um vaguely um this is this is an interesting one because um this along with three other films really uh, are the entirety of the movies i remember seeing at the cinema with my parents so it's quite a lineup. Um, it started off with Krull 3D. Oh, terrible. Terrible. Oh my God. terrible. Um, but also uh, Return of the Jedi, uh, Ghostbusters, and Back to the Future. So I remember this very fondly um, from my childhood. So yeah, means my, means quite a bit to me. Yeah, that's good. I, I have a similar feeling. Maybe not those same movies or, or whatever, but I remember going to... So I guess we were 11 mm. when this came out. I remember going to... Our friend at the time, well, my friend at the time, but he became your friend, Nick Ponsford's house. Mm-hmm. And his whole family were talking about this new film in the cinema called Back to the Future. I didn't know anything about it, um, but they said it was so good that we had to go. And I think I must have gone to the cinema then, but I don't have a strong memory of going to see it in the cinema. But I must have at the time because it was it was a big deal when it came out. Mads? Um, I don't remember the first time. I watched it. I've watched it so many times, and it's one of the movies, one of the first movies I must have watched. Um, You introduced it to me very young. I think 2015, when they go to the future in the second one, I'd already seen it before then, and we were like eight or something, eight or nine. So, yeah, I think it it must have been one of the first films that we introduced you guys to. Yeah, just we as a parent, you probably have the same thing, Andy. As a parent, you have a a list of films that you you're desperate to show your kids 
but then sort of gateway day ages where it's appropriate to show them. Yeah, I think I think Harry, uh, my son, has seen this as many times as I have now. Um, he kind of watches them on loop. Yeah, well, I think that's one of the great things about Back to the Future is that actually, because it 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 doesn't have um, an age necessarily an age threshold. Like, for example, I wouldn't want to show the kids. I didn't want to show the kids The Godfather until they were mid to late teens but i had no problem showing them back to the future when they were yeah whatever <clears throat> it's a great it it's a great conversation yeah. starter as well isn't it uh even now i was watching this before we record this i was watching it with harry and um we were debating plot holes and that doesn't make sense more about this and we still disagree on stuff we were talking just before the recording here about um concept of the film and some of it we just disagree and it, it, i think it works really well on those levels with kids or anyone actually where you can you can get lost in it and start a debate about what have you um unlike several other films i think because it's not really linear is it i mean it is but it, it, there are so many uh two innings two wings and throwings um yeah always always good uh conversations come out of it yeah um so i think we could dive into um, the the main point of the podcast, which is the small stuff. But I think perhaps before we do, maybe it's just worth mentioning what the small stuff is. So uh, there are lots of pod- podcasts that will talk about the 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 overall themes of a film, what it what they what people like review podcasts that will talk about what they liked in it and what they don't like in it and its artistic merit. And there will also be um, podcast that will talk about the, the the broader stories within the film but we want to talk about the little things the stuff that probably no one else will talk about or maybe no one else will talk about um that we really appreciate or notice so i just want to i think i'm going to kick us off with um the, the opening scene of the film when we see all of the clocks in doc brown's house or whatever it is is it his house yeah yeah is that the worst science experiment ever it's it's bizarrely specific he's so happy that all of his clocks are exactly 25 minutes slow which in itself shouldn't be that difficult to no to make you just turn them all back 25 minutes set them to the exact same time It's funny because it's one of those things you take for granted because it's just it's a stupid conceit to get Marty to rush to school. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> really thought about it before actually. No, it's rubbish. I mean, why not just set them correctly? They'll still the and because the, the experiment is they're all the same alarm at the same time, right? And the, none of them have gained time, none of them have lost time. Why do they have to be twenty five minutes slow? I don't know. Yeah, I mean... Discuss. Just, let's not discuss no, that. No, but, no, no, but it's not. an interesting observation. Yeah. Before we get further into the into the, the small stuff, um, I figured we'd go through it more or less chronologically, but f- feel free to jump in with stuff that you've noticed. I mean, a lot of my little things that I love about this film come either in the... Before he goes back to 1955 or after he gets back to 1985 at the end so actually the main chunk of the film in the middle where he's in 1955 i think i'm so wrapped up in the story that i don't necessarily notice a lot of little things 
I just while we're still at Doc's house, um, I also noticed the newspaper clippings. Are they are they framed and on the wall or yes. I'm not sure. And it says the Brown Estate destroyed. That's the headline. Uh, but later on in the film, he says that he uh, spent his entire family wealth on this experiment. Which led me to think that maybe he... Do you think he burned down the mansion just to get I the insurance check? It's a fair Probably. possibility yeah. that is a, a scam. <laughs> yeah. So, Doc's a dodgy guy. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think... Yeah, go on. Can we just appreciate... How are they friends? How is a 17-year-old oh, yes. friends with what? Like 50, 60-year-olds? Because he doesn't think he'll be alive in 25 years. How where, How did they meet? Where did they meet? Why are they... Like, why does Marty just have a key to his house? No, he doesn't have a key. He, he just takes he it does? from a... No, no. It's under the... It's oh, under, okay, it's yeah. Under the mat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Remember, this is 1995 when you could go out with your, your door unlocked and that oh, kind yeah, of stuff. True. But it's a fair point. Why? It's yeah. really weird. Well, the theory is, or well, one possible solution could be that um, Marty is a bit of a geek, bit of a nerd, and so he's befriended this guy. This he doesn't have any other friends, and he's befriended this guy. But that's not true, because Marty's pretty cool. He's got a cool girlfriend. He's in a band. He's not a recluse that makes friends with the dodgy scientist that lives up the road. So, yeah, it's a bit odd. How about this? And I'm, this is wild speculation, but I'm going to suggest that he has a weak father figure in his household. Oh. I, I don't think that's no, no, it's beyond doubt. But I yeah. wonder whether or not he's looking for some kind of more, um, more strength from a fatherly character. Okay. But, you know, this isn't small stuff. No, is it? it's, really, no, it's not small stuff, no. but no, that is... We, yeah, okay. That's a fair point. I've Maybe never we really should call this Don't Forget the Big Stuff. Mm. <laughs> Why would he choose Doc, though? Doc's not exactly strong or fatherly. It's he's a bit. Though. He's a crazy scientist. He's a crazy wild eye scientist. Decided to fall off of his porcelain toilet. <laughs> decided to. <laughs> yeah. uh, right. Let's let's crack on. Um, any other from this from these opening scenes? Uh, um, anything that yeah, cropped up? Yeah, when. Um, his girlfriend leaves. Jennifer. He, um, she gets in the car with his dad. He goes and skates off. He grabs the back of a police car. Yes. Does the police just let him? Well, did you notice, though, because on the other cars that he grabs hold of, he's he's not hiding. He's upright. No. He's holding. Yeah. The guy, the, the Jeep driver even looks back at him and he's like, hi. But the police car, he's low. He's staying really low. I've always loved the fact that uh, Marty's sister calls it the fish under the sea dance. <laughs> it's just a great sort of misremembering of the truth and disrespecting of the history of their their parents, as as most kids do. Yeah. So, you know, the movie goes on and he meets Doc at Twin Pines Mall. We could, if you want, Andy, talk about your um, your misinterpretation of whether Marty chooses to go 88 miles an hour. I'm, or... I'm, no, I don't think we should get into that. What okay, I will right. say is that Doc's truck on the side says 24-hour scientific services. What? Please. What does that mean? 
He's there ready for your scientific needs 24 hours a day. Well, he's, I mean, as we've learned, he's spent his entire family fortune. So he needs all the, um, it reminds me of when I was driving and I saw a truck in front of me that had um, crime scene cleanup on the back of it, uh, which it I, made me feel that it's slightly dodgy. It's mm-hmm. obviously not, but um, yeah. <laughs> Scientifics. What was it? Scientific 24 service? hour scientific services. So any time of day or, yeah, or night. He's there for your scientific needs. Brilliant. Um, I've got from one from yeah. when they're in the car, car yeah. park. Um, Doc's reminiscing about what he thought of from it 30 years ago. And he talks about the guy that owns the land and the fact that his name's like Peabody or something, yeah. and he wants to use the land to breed pine trees. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, when Marty gets to the the past, the, the past, yeah, he's in Peabody's garage. That's the that's where he was. I didn't pick up on it until today. I didn't realize that he'd just gone to the guy's house and he started yeah. attacking him. Yep. <laughs> because he's already mutated into a human form. Yes. Which is one of my favorite lines. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, just before we go back in time, though, I do want to talk about... Um, so, Doc is a failed scientist. We can all agree on that. Except for the experiment about the clocks being 25 minutes uh, slow. Um, if the time machine didn't work at 88 miles an hour, Doc and Marty would be pulverised. Mm-hmm. Because the car is straight going straight towards them. And the, the the fire trails go between their feet. Marty stood on the fire yeah. trail. No, yeah, that's dicey effect. I, I mean, think, the confidence that Doc has, considering he's mm. he's never invented anything that works until now, that is supreme confidence. He's no, just risked his life. I don't know why they do that. And obviously Marty kind of shuffles yeah, he, away a little bit and, and, and he glares at him. He literally um, pulls him back in. Pulls him back. If I'm going down, so are you. Straight... <laughs> It's an unusual move. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the chemistry between Marty and Doc, so Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd, it's pretty epic, right? They. So did you know that they filmed like 30-plus days with Eric Stoltz as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. And Eric Stoltz, well, he's a method actor, and he's a bit weird apparently. Um, there was no chemistry, so they brought... Michael J. Fox in while he was still filming Family Ties. So he was doing double shifts. He was doing Family Ties during the day and then he did Back to the Future at night. Um, so pleased they did because their chemistry is amazing. It's, yeah. it's real good. Yeah, I read they, there was some kind of aggro with um, with him and Biff. Was it Tom Wilson? Um, kind of, there was some kind of overly aggressive acting which uh, he wasn't best pleased with. Who, Eric Stoltz? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Did you notice the the Libyans, the the ones that are trying to blow up yeah. Marty Libyan. and kill Doc, or so we think? They start speaking English. He does say "sodding gun" at one point. I'm yeah, and sure. he says "go go 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 go." Harry and I always laugh at that scene because you just couldn't record that now. It's terrible. It's... What the whole Libyan? The Libyans. Thing? It's terrible. Well, there's a couple of things that haven't aged particularly well. No, that's mm. that's the, the the glaring one for me. Um, yeah, it's. <laughs> bad well the other one i've actually written down uh, the other thing that i think hasn't aged well and we're going jumping ahead a little bit um is the fact that um his dad george is a peeping tom yeah mm-hmm. i mean that's bad yeah i mean 
I'd be arrested now. Yeah, you would. For doing that. And it's played as a joke. It's like it's mm. laughed off. Not good. Yeah. Although he is ashamed of it slightly when um, they talk about like why he was there, why yeah. the dad hit What, him. Lorraine? What? What? Yeah, you just... Comp- <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. <clears throat> just a couple of other things. And it go- it does... Does tie into how much I love the chemistry between Marty and Doc, and how great Michael J. Fox is. Still in the in the parking lot of Twin Pines Mall, when when Einstein has come back from his one minute time travel, and the Doc touches the door and he recoils because and Marty goes, "What? What is it hot? I don't know why." I've, that is literally one of the the scenes that I always look forward to in this. Mm-hmm. Just the way they interact in that little moment, because Marty's face is all sort of, well, what is it hot? I mean, I just, anyway, it's, there's nothing more to say about it other than I just think that, that Michael J. Fox is brilliant. And um, when they are replenishing the plutonium and they're in the radiation suits and Marty is filming, he's got the camera on his shoulder and when the plutonium finally drops into the chamber, Marty jumps and it's the flinched. camera goes to the other shoulder and it's just so good. Have you ever thought about Doc's mansion? His house. It's massive. It's amazing. It's it is huge. large, yeah. But no, I haven't. So, because Marty only knows Doc from the future, that crappy little house, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is, looks like it's in the parking lot of a blockbuster or something. And when he approaches the house, Marty's face, when he's looking at the, the mansion... It's brilliant because you don't know what he's looking at yet. And the camera pans out and the doc's house is amazing. It's actually, uh, again, I haven't, this isn't one of the things that I always look forward to in this film, but I noticed it for the first time this time watching it, um, that we spend almost all of the time in the garage at doc's place, not the house. I did notice though that the house and garage when they first leave, Doc leaves out the front door, runs with all of his stuff to the garage. But then there's a bit when they're in the they're in the area and Marty says something and he runs inside like the twenty one gigawatts. Yeah. He runs back into the house through the garage. I may no, I no, may no. be he, wrong. He no, he runs back to the house. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. But he, he he runs back to the house. But through a door. He doesn't go Oh, for like the, the garage ga- side door. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. but then it's the same door that Lorraine walks through when she follows Marty to the... It is? The, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. No, I gotcha. Uh, I did notice something. Yeah. Einstein is a puppy in 1955. No, no. It's, is it no, different it's, dog? it's a different dog. Are we sure? Yeah, it's... um. We find this out in Back to the Future 2, I think. Uh, I think okay. it's Copernicus. Copernicus, yeah. I haven't seen yeah. Back to the Future 2 for a while. Because I was going to say, it's like 30 years old. Yeah, no, no, definitely it's an interesting not. choice because I think it's the same breed. It's yeah. exactly the same so, breed. So, you know. Same it's breed, got a type. same colour. Is that what you're saying? Doc's got a type. Uh, probably. Don't we all? <laughs> There's the great line about the rhythmic ceremonial ritual coming up. Again, referring to the... I love that scene. It's really good. You talk about the chemistry between them. Marty is, is talking about, you know, in, in 1980s speak, which Doc just doesn't get. Mostly because he's from the fifties, but also, or he is in the fifties, but also because he's a middle-aged guy. Yeah, 
and and obviously there's the the heavy joke yeah. um but it's, it's so good it's so good there to the point where you know doc just ignores marty when he's like what you yeah. know he's like just keep talking <laughs> brilliant well the the gen although i suppose there's a i mean they would be much closer in age in 1955. How old do we think Doc is in 1985? He could be 40, he could be 80, we don't know. Because he, so, he, they've used... That's a good question, age. actually. So they go back 30 years, because he looks old So let's say Doc is, let's say Doc is in 85, he's 60. So 30, so he's potentially he does 30 not, he does not look in 1955. He looks too old for that. He looks, he looks 55 yeah. in 1955. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Okay, well, they've done it wrong, haven't they? Well, they, it's a I think fatal flaw. Maybe the old age makeup wasn't, a prosthet- you know, the old age prosthetics weren't brilliant in 1985. I don't know, but they do all right with the parents. Lorraine mm. and George, old. Mm. I mean, but it's not. Mm. No, not convinced. No, but I'm dark. Sort of, not really. I think because. Lorraine they do a bit more but then with George they just give him a wig and it looks weird it looks weird so I think there's another um, it may, it, this might be my favourite scene in the whole movie um, and it is again about the chemistry between Doc and Marty when Lorraine follows Marty to the garage and asks him to ask her to the fish <laughs> under the sea dance sorry the enchantment under the sea dance the unspoken interaction between doc and marty is i think it's the, the it might be the best <laughs> comedic acting in the whole film doc's face is so mm-hmm. good because he's just slowly circling yeah. getting closer glaring yeah absolutely glaring in different ways but it's very very funny they lean against the car side by side oh. just like oh my god i can't believe this is happening like he leans on him at one point <laughs> yeah it's just brilliant. And Lorraine is completely oblivious to it all mm. because she's so besotted and infatuated by Calvin Klein. Flustered. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Have you ever had anyone ask you to ask them to an event or a date? It's so it's so 1955, isn't it? Yeah, no. The boy has to ask. No, that's not happened to me. Sorry. I'd like to pretend other people ask <laughs> me places, but that didn't happen either. Um, so I, the 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 last few I've got are um, towards the end of the film, so I don't want to I want to miss anything. Yeah, I've only got one more it's right okay. at the end. Yeah. So when George punches out Biff, right? The punch is a big deal. Mm. Screws up his his fist. The face. Yeah, the face, the face. all that stuff. But. My take on that is that that's not the true heroic moment for George because that was an instinctive thing, the punch and the the reaction to how horrible Biff's being. The heroic moment for George is when Biff is telling him to go away and he says, no, Biff. Yes. Because he's making a choice at that point. He's, Mm. this isn't like a, he's over, he's overcoming his, instinct to to go away and be bullied he's deciding no i'm gonna stay and i'm gonna defend lorraine so yeah yeah. good old george 
So once Marty's back in 1985, by the way, he gives himself 10 minutes, which is not enough. No, no it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's yeah, he has to like go like two miles or something. Yeah. Well, he exactly. literally says, I've so, got all the time in the world. Yeah, I'll give myself 10 minutes. Um, so I worked this out. You're right. So we know that Twin Pines Mall, or now Lone Pine Mall, is uh, at least two miles from the square because of the sign outside Lion Estate. Yeah. <laughs> I checked the, what, the clock at, at the mall. He ran two miles in nine minutes. Well done. Fair play. I mean, that's... Give up music. That's, that's competitive running. Yeah. I mean, he was blowing when he got there. You can tell. Yeah, but... He was. He was. Yeah, it looked like he was flat. Yeah, that's not... It's just not... It's just not... It's, it's an oversight. Yeah, and as I alluded to it, with the intro, um, I also love the scenes when um, Marty sees his well-to-do family now, when he's back mm-hmm. in the future and when his parents <coughs> walk in through the door and he falls off the chair. Collapse. Yeah, it's just brilliant. Um, so good. My one is when he wakes up after coming back, his alarm goes off at 10.28. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's really weird, isn't it? Who sets set, their alarm at 10.28? Yeah, who has ever organised something, ever set anything to a number that's not on a 5 or a 10? Ever. Well, some people are losing. My alarm was set for 6.07 this morning. Why? I mean, who said was, that? Did you set it? Yeah, yeah. 7 was, is like the worst number as well. I don't know, because I'm scrolling. I didn't want 6. I went, eh. And it stopped on 7. I thought that was it. Okay, well, there you go. There's your answer. So maybe he's so... But then he's got digital buttons. Yeah. I've yeah. got a scrolly wheel. So. Yeah. yeah. 10.28, what's the significance? Couldn't give oh, yourself two be. minutes? No, that's a good point. That might be. Do you think there's like a a cinematic um, significance mm-hmm. to it? Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Right, well, it might be time to, to take a break and do the categories unless you're, um, you're we've missed anything. Uh, no. Okay, we'll take a break. Okay, so for the first category, we're going to visit Audio Corner. Andy, what have you got for us? Okay, so firstly, I want to just shout out to the the score and the soundtrack itself. I think it's incredible. Um, it, it Throughout the film, it, it never really misses a beat. So uh, kudos to that one, because I think, you know, I, it was one of the first soundtrack albums I bought. Um, I even listened to the score when I was like 14. Um, which was unheard of at the time. And then obviously Star Wars came along and I started listening to those things as well. But uh, I, I love it. I love the soundtrack. I love the, everything about it. I think it's one of the best contemporary film yeah. soundtracks there is. I think it's fantastic. The Inc- incidental songs are amazing. Uh, yeah. And the, the actual score itself, the, what brilliant. we describe as the classical music, is brilliant. As you know, well. the, the, way, the way it works, the, just everything about it. You know, watching it again the other day and... and, and the, the bit with the when Doc is setting up the um, the cables on the the clock tower and you know Marty's late and he's looking at his watch and and it's brilliant it's so good it, it does such a good job of, of moving the story along and and and, and putting bringing the tension in when needs and when it's needed and things it's it's fabulous so that was the first thing I wanted to say um, the 
on that note, actually, I think one of the things I, I really like um, about the you the way they use um, the the kind of licensed tunes, if you like, is is Marty's Clock Radio. <laughs> so good, the two songs it plays. So it does Lindsey Buckingham's Time Bomb Town um, for when he, I think he's when he's first waking up to go to, to Twin Pines Mall, and then when he wakes up again in 1985, it's um, Eric Clapton. No, no, it's not. It's um, Back, in, Back time. in Time by Huey Lewis. Yeah. Um, it's so good. And the, the the tinny, crappy audio um, playing these fabulous songs, yeah. I think it's it's real good. Because there's no other audio, there's no sound going on at all. He's obviously just waking up. I think that's that's really cool. But um, one of the things that we're trying to do with this category is, is kind of pinpoint our personal highlights for me. Uh, there are a couple. Um, so... I'll leave my favourite to last, I think. Yeah. But um, just a few things to point out. Um, I love the noise. This very specific noise of the needles hitting Max when he's playing with the amp at the start. Oh, it's really yeah. strange because that's not how needles work. He's turning up the dial and then there's a delay and you're watching them. They go tick, tick. Yeah. It's fantastic. I put that down as well. That's because exactly it's great. the same as mine. Because it's great. That's why you that's would do shot. that. So I really like that. Another one I point out, uh, I want to point out is no DeLorean has ever sounded like that, right? They had terrible like V6 engines. Are you talking about the growl it makes when he yeah. when he backs out of the yeah, yeah. truck? Yeah. Because I have that written down as well. Because that I, is such a good sound. I've got it written down as well. And the um the like as the back of the truck opens the psh, yeah. and then it opens and like the 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 almost electric car were that the DeLorean makes while the, it's being driven. The sound design in that whole bit is just brilliant. Apart from the fact that's a, not a DeLorean engine, no, it's just not. Correct me if I'm Actually, wrong. Can I can I just while we're talking about the DeLorean, I've I've just realised there's something that I forgot to say. Do we think it's a complete miracle that the car had done thirty two thousand nine hundred ninety four miles? Based on historical assessments of that car, yes. Yeah, I okay, think it's, it's just pretty unlikely. Yeah. No wonder it always breaks down. Hmm. It's stalled like what four yeah, times. Four times it's a terrible car. Um, yeah, I've covered that bit. So, yeah, the, I think my specific favourite, and I know we've covered, we've actually talked about this already, but I know it's a terrible science experiment. But to be as bold as to start a film with just a bunch of ticking clocks, I love it. It's so good. It, it, it you know, not only is it a really cool noise, it is. It's really brave. There's no other noise. There's no music playing. Um, it's just ticking clocks. It's fantastic. So that's my particular vote for Audio Corner this time. It's so. It's such a. Um, yeah, it's an un, unusual opening. I mean, in general, I mean, it's obviously fitting because it's about time and time travel and stuff. But it. Um, yeah, good shout. Love it. Lads, got any other Audio Corner? Um. Oh yes, the um, with the as he's turning the dials, the actual speaker explosion itself, the uh, like whirring sound it makes instead of just an explosion, it makes like a complete like high pitch noise before it explodes. It's really like that it's one. the sci-fi noises coming out <laughs> yeah. of it. It's really strange. I didn't have much for that one. Okay. So what's your... Do you have like a winner in Audio Corner? I have three. I mean, the bells ringing in Doc's, Doc's ears, that's more of just a timing thing, but just how loud it is. Um, well, they do a really good job of showing how loud it is. The fact yeah. that there's something about having 
the the bell in the foreground of the shot somehow makes you realize that yes. this is meant to be really loud even though actually audio is probably not that loud i think he starts yelling slightly before the clamor the clamor oh, the yeah. clapper hits the bell uh, uh, but you know ah, yeah. like this <laughs> and only a millisecond but it's it's funny it's funny um but it's probably the the whirring the futuristic like sound that the DeLorean and the, the doors make as the smoke comes out and the DeLorean's first. So wow. it's interesting. Everything that you guys have said, more or less, have, has has sort of reinforced the um, the fact that it won the Oscar for sound effects editing. Because everything that you've... Not that we you know oh, need to validate the uh, Academy for their choice, but, um, yeah, every, the timing of the needles and, and those clicks, that's just... That's sound effects editing, isn't it? That's brilliant. Um, so I've got a few that are actually music based. Um, so when Jennifer is saying goodbye to Marty and her dad's in the car, and you can power of love is playing in the background, nice and quietly. And then they have that. They finally get to kiss because they've had two kisses interrupted by the save the clock tower woman and Jennifer's dad. And then they finally have their kiss. And just at that moment, Huey Lewis sings that's the power of love the timing of that is so good and marty's face is so good it's just that it's great it's um it again edit sound editing it's just brilliant um and the other absolutely triumphant moment musically aside from the regular soundtrack glory is when um marty's nearly dying he's nearly dead because because they're they haven't kissed on the dance floor. That horrible kid has cut in. <clears throat> and then they kiss. And Marty springs up and starts playing. And just at that moment, the strings kick in in Earth Angel. And it's, it's just, really good, isn't it's it? It's so good. It's, they've almost suppressed the, the volume yeah. going up to that as, as they kind of intensify the fact that he's fading away and that ridiculous fake arm is coming in yeah. at the wrong angle. Oh, God. Um, and... Uh, yeah, and as soon as, as soon as as soon as they kiss, he springs up. Yeah. Uh, almost uh, looks sped up. It's really weird how quickly he gets up. Um, um, and the introduction of strings. Yeah. Obviously, which there aren't any on the stage, but yes. One of us say, "Go oh, on." No, just the um, the collapsing is like one of those collapsible toys where you press the bottom and the strings collapse, yeah. and then when you let go, it like pops up. So again. he's he's getting up again. Like he's yeah. the, the the spring has been um, released, and he's standing yeah. up again. Um, so we've already mentioned the growl of the uh, of the engine when he's unveiling the time machine. But I, I for my favourite audio moment, it's really simple. But again, it's one that I look forward to every time. Is when the car won't start and he headbutts the steering wheel <laughs> and the horn beeps. <laughs> it's something so small. And for me, that horn beep is about as good an example of the small stuff as I can think of, because it's comedic, it's timed brilliantly, it makes sense, and it's just it just works. Yeah, so that moment it's of... it's so easily overlooked, you might not even hear it. That moment of immense tension yeah. where everything's going wrong and it's just a little squeaky beep. beep. <laughs> it's pretty good. Come on. Please, please, come on. 
Uh, right, let's move on to, um, the, I don't know what you want to call it, the, the, the cinematic award or the, um, the best single frame or the best looking scene uh, <clears throat> in the film. Mads, do you have anything? Oh, the whole film to me just looks a bit meh in terms of like cinema like quality. Yeah. Um, so I struggled with this one and I ended up just going for my favourite scene and like the whole interactions, all of it, just the yeah. scene itself was yeah. one I liked. So you guys go first and I can... Well, no, you just tell us what it is and then... Um, the bit when they're in the garage and Doc's going to explain the the thing and he's got his um model and he's like i didn't have time to make it to scale or paint it and just casually goes and gets the car and like carries on explaining it and doc just waves off like no no it's fine uh no marty waves it off and it's just there's just no need but the model is so precise but he's worried about it not being to scale or painted it's just the experiment is 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 i mean as you say it's it's completely redundant anyway it's not a conceptually difficult thing to understand <laughs> why it needed a, a model anyway let alone a scale model painted etc etc it's, it's brilliant and then when the bin the bin flares up with all of the stuff um all in it and the fact that they would have had to set something on fire because it was very obviously a an actual fire just the yeah. fact it went up so quickly didn't isn't quite right well no those those were oily rags mm. yeah yeah true yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, for me, um, again, it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, it's not a particularly strong-looking film in any in any particular scene. There's two for me, and I'll pick my favourite first, um, and then give an honourable mention to another one. So we've we've talked about the scene briefly just now. Um, the DeLorean coming out the back of the truck. The introduction of the DeLorean to the film. Uh, and the franchise is fantastic. And there's probably a single frame in there somewhere where the doors open and the smoke's coming out and you can just make out the the big vents on the back of the DeLorean. Uh, it, it's probably that. There's probably a single frame there somewhere, which I think would be a fantastic poster. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's it for me. The other one I wanted to mention, it's really good. And we don't see too much of like different... <laughs> there's plenty of stuff at, at night, but when... Um, Marty's just gone back to the future uh, and Doc is running down the road and there's still sort of slight flames on the floor and then the, the, the cable is just is buzzing and then just slowly kind of rumbles into flames and he's running up the street. I think that's cool. It looks really good. Um, so, yeah, they're my two. Yeah. Well, your second one is, is my number one. The fact that there was... Um, the flames on the road obviously is amazing, but then there's neon lights in the background with the yeah. cinema, and as you said, the fizzling of the um, the fizzling of the the hook yeah. on the cable. I just think that's that's <clears throat> the one truly really good cinematic moment in the film because I I think it's actually as you've said it's sort of short on it's a little flat, isn't it? It's yeah. A bit yeah. Meh. Um, the other one I want again I would like to give an honorable mention to um when we first see Marty skateboarding down his street Lions Estates I think the camera's just panning out ever so slightly as he kind of lets go of whatever the car or the truck that he's holding onto the back of and he just kind of he sort of 
performs an arc on his skateboard mm-hmm. and carries on skate skating down his street and there's oh, the, yeah, the yeah. lion's estates mm-hmm. like and he slightly cranks when he turns and yeah. yeah i just think it's um it's a nice it's just a nice looking scene um but there there aren't lots of glorious sunsets or anything like that in this movie um what about uh favorite incidental character someone who perhaps isn't uh isn't a big name in the film but who really takes your fancy so i'm going to just nominate mine straight away i have only one name written down uh the intro might have given it away dave mcfly is by far and away my favorite incidental character he's completely useless he works at like mcdonald's or wendy's or something and then all of a sudden he's in a suit and he always wears a suit to the office and he, has, he hardly has anything to say, but when he's on screen, he delivers because he has that moment about time to change the oil pop. And, oh, yeah. um, and then, you know, the wrecked. Why was I the last to hear about this? Um, so, yeah, Dave McFly, my guy. Andy? I like Dave, but he's no, he's no Sam Baines. Oh. Lorraine's dad. He's an odious, odious man. He's angry and has a low opinion of everybody in, a, in, a, in an amusingly comic way. Um, well, another one of these damn kids has jumped in I front of the car. Jumped as if they do it often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, he, he berates Marty for being an idiot <laughs> and, and tells Lorraine that if she has kids as dumb as that, she'll disown him. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. Parents are probably idiots too. Lorraine, you ever have a kid who acts that way? I'll disown you. Um, he's he's got he suffers <clears throat> no fools at all, let alone gladly. He hates it seems everybody. Uh, so the two scenes I think he's in, he's just uh, unpleasant in an amusing way, which I wholeheartedly approve. But he of. does love the idea of watching TV while they. Yes, yes, he does. Yeah. Also unpleasant. But there we are. So that's it. Sam Baines, congratulations. Okay. Well, we're going to have to agree to disagree because it's clearly Dave, but that's fine. Um, I don't really have one for this, but I, lo- I like the kid um, who Marty steals the scooter from. And I can't remember the, the line he makes, but he like exclaims how cool what Marty's doing What. Yeah, well, he says, I think he basically it. says "whoa" at one point. Yeah, he? when he yeah. does that, when he does that kind of—I don't know what you call it—the yeah. skateboard, the heel turn, or something. And then, like, just giving it back, and he's just in awe, like yeah. holding it. And he, like, Marty walks off, and, and the gone. other you never see him kind, again. Kind of looks like he wants to smash his toy up as well, so we can have a skateboard as well, rather than the thing that's on yeah. top of it. Speaking of those kids, I love the way his friend comes, to, tries to come and rescue. Like, so Marty goes to take the kids' deck, and. His friend joins in immediately. He's like, no, no, don't take it. Don't take it. And so yeah. they're both sort of struggling. Mm. So, yeah, but yeah, camaraderie, yeah. friends. Good. Nice. Um, how about uh, locations in the film? Have you got any, any favourite locations? Best uh, play, places you might want to hang out or, or places that look really cool? Or, no? Big it's, shrug of the shoulders. I, from... I, I think we touched on it already, haven't we? That this is a little bit light on locations. Uh, I think it was largely shot on the back set somewhere, Warner Brothers, and it kind of shows really. But for me, I mean, Hill Valley High Street works. Um, I think, again, going back to the the bit where Doc's running down the street after Marty's gone back, yeah. um, it's kind of key to the, the film, but yeah. 
it's 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 not something that particularly jumps out for me it's it's all filmed in like the same it's all in the same place there's no change of scenery really it's all in just a very boring basic town and there's not really anything like that do you not wish we had more diners like um lou's diner is it lou's yeah lou's Lou's cafe Not really. No. You can get a quick chocolate milk there. Yeah. Just I mean, by really? barking at yeah, it, yeah. apparently it just comes. Um, mm. well, my favourite location is, again, I think I mentioned it before, Doc's Mansion. Mm. I love it. The fact that he's got the the, the pictures of um, famous inventors on his wall. And it. I think it actually has more of a... It's in the film more in Back to the Future 2. Um, you see more of it, but... I love the. I just love the way it looks. I love the. It's all rather sort of plush and kind of fancy on the inside. I did have one that popped in my head though. Yeah. The um, Peabody's barn that Marty drives into. The fact that he drives into it and it's just, just placed in the middle of hay, and he trips over the hay when he's like running out, and then you see the cows. How did he not kill how the did cows? He not, yeah, how did yeah, he I, not hit any of the cows? Well, he was remember, yeah because he was going eighty-eight miles an hour. So and he went straight into the barn. So it's actually, I think, he should have gone out the other side. The actually. worst looking part of the film is when he drives into the barn because it's, it's like sped up. Yeah, it's really weird. And if he's going that fast and stops, he's super dead. Mm. Yeah. Um. Anyway, but the location's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Peabodies, the lights come on, and they are they are there like a shot. They're out of the house in about five seconds. Yeah. They're alert. Mm. Mm. How are they all awake that quickly? I don't know. It's like 2am in the morning. <laughs> right, so the next category is um, best prop or what item would you like to own? I've kind <clears throat> of actually stolen this category almost directly from The Rewatchables, which is another podcast I listen to. Um, what uh, prop or item would you like to own from the film? But it could be just best prop as well. Um, Mads, have you got any? Um, I've got, I've got two. I've got the best prop, my favourite prop from the actual movie, and then yeah. the one that I would take home with me. Yeah. Um, my the one that I would take home with me would be, it's very basic, but the guitar that Marty uses when he's fading away into the abyss into Marvin, nothingness. Marvin Berry's. Yeah. Guitar. The, like red and black guitar. It's yeah. just really, really cool. Um. I'm sure some guitar person will tell us the model. Probably, yeah. yeah. Um, but my favourite prop, and I've always loved it, is the car, the the wind up car that they use in the <laughs> <laughs> they use in the um, like sim- simulation yeah. of the plan. And I think it's like a red Cadillac. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And in fact, he catches fire and just ca- it speeds up when it hits the floor. It hits the floor, lands <laughs> flat on the yeah, floor, and, car- and speeds up. <laughs> that that's my favourite prop. That's a good noise. We should well, have come just up been, with that. It has just been like. Electric shocked, mm. so maybe that's why it speeds up. It's a mechanical wind up. It's a, yeah. So it's, it's not got any. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but which one you want? Yeah. Okay. So that's the one you'd like to own, or is that your favourite? That's my favourite prop. Okay. So, who wouldn't who wouldn't want the flux capacitor on their wall mm. fluxing? I mean, oh yeah. You know, oh, yeah, it's great, but that's not my. That's not the one I'd have. Uh, I would have the. Um, the taped together aged letter that Doc yeah. produces back in 1985. Yes, I'm giving you the double fingers I, because I agree. Um, I would like that framed on my wall. It's fantastic. Yes. Yep. 
So super the, the, I had I've got it written down here as well. The the letter written on the diner Lou's <laughs> Cafe stationery. Yes. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Frame it. Put it on the wall. <laughs> so Still tatty and yeah. taped. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. I agree. Um, so I have that. I have the the taped up letter and then three cars. Um, none of which is the DeLorean, by the way. I have the little red car that you just talked about, Mads. Um, the Toyota, black and black Toyota 4x4 that Marty loves. Very I reckon nice. even now, nearly 40 years oh, later, yeah. that would still be I was talking cool. to, to Harry yeah. about yeah, yeah. this. That, that car is still cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird, isn't it? They, they don't seem to ever have gone out of fashion, but there we are. Yeah. Um, and the other one that really deserves at least a mention is um, Jennifer's dad's car. Oh, it's awful. It's a brown station wagon with wood effect panelling mm. on the side. So it just looks like a wooden car. Yeah, yeah. And when it stops, it's got the worst suspension ever made. It's like the Wagon Queen family, yes. family truckster yes, from National Lampoon's mm-hmm. Vacation. Yeah, Except it's brown. It's, I think it's one of the worst cars I've ever seen. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> but you want it, do you? But someone... You? Well, no, I just needed to give it okay. a shout-out, basically. Uh, okay. um, but And it had to have existed, right? I mean, that car has existed in real mm. life. Some mm. some car manufacturer decided a brown car with wooden panelling is the way to go. Right, so this is... I like to call this Maddie's category because, Mads, you came up with this first. The coolest look in the film... Yeah, I still, fashion wise. I still had trouble finding okay. a coolest look. Yeah, because you know, we're in nineteen fifty five and nineteen eighty five. There weren't a lot of cool looks True. back then. Yeah. Did you come up with anything? Yeah, but you guys can go first. Mine's pretty lame. So a little shout out to the three D glasses. Yes. On, on I won- I wore those watching Crawl three D. <laughs> <laughs> nice callback. Excellent. Mm. Thank you. Um I just the commitment of that guy, that that what do we call him, Lackey or whatever, to wearing the three D glasses. I all think the his time. name in the credits is three D. Oh, okay, so good. Yeah. Um, he doesn't win, by the way. Uh, and then, but I think the coolest look is the. It's like the It's one of the outfits that Marty wears when he's um, in nineteen fifty five, and it's like a red and beige, quite short cut jacket, and then he's got the. The blue shirt, button-down shirt with lots and lots of pink circles in in sort of sort of stripes, sort of diagonals, and I just think as a nineteen. Oh, and I think he's wearing the Converse. Mm-hmm. He's going black Converse as well. So I think as an ensemble, I think that's a pretty cool look. I mean, there you know, there's we've slim pickings basically. In this it movie, is, but... <clears throat> it is tricky, and I struggled with the same thing. It's it's mostly just nineteen fifties attire, isn't it? Um, but mine was um, I picked Doc Doc when he he looks smart when he turns up at the school with Marty mm. so he's wearing a nice yeah. he's funny shirt with a hat and he just looks sharp and it's probably yeah. the only time you see him in non really non science gear yeah uh, and uh, yeah that was it for me it's he kind looks, of like a guy on holiday right he like looks he... like a tourist from yeah. the 1950s uh, yeah yeah it's um, exactly right so I picked him so he gets my vote. Cool. Um, Good. Yes. I've just thought of one. I'm going to give a little shout out to it because I love it. The um, the has the hazmat suit wannabe that Einstein wears in the truck 
while they're getting the oh, plutonium. You're right. It looks like he's going. He, on <laughs> he looks a, like he's got a rain jacket yes, on. Yes, it looks like he's going fishing. Yeah, it's a southwester. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. really weird. Good, Good one. Um, Doggy outfit. Yeah, but I. The, the band that the, that play at the um, fish under the sea. The starlight. Marvin Berry and the Starlight. Yeah. yeah. Their suits, the blue very sharp. tux with, I think it's a black shirt. Yeah. It just looks really crisp and very, okay. I don't know what style. Is it? Well, it's 1950s. It's, yeah. it's rock and roll, isn't it? Well, um, maybe not rock and roll yet, but something like but that. But just very plain. Very cool. very, it's really smooth. One last award. Uh, Andy, would you like to give us a closing credit? <clears throat> yeah, so um, the, the idea here is I'm always fascinated with slightly bizarre credits, um, be them cast members or, or crew. Uh, and this one goes to a member of the crew. Now, one thing, I was watching the credits and they're super short. Mm. You know, I guess in this day and age, you're, you're used to sitting in the cinema waiting for a end uh, of credit scene for like 10 minutes. So these are over in two or three so there's not much to pick from but this one i'm just checking my notes here to get the chap's name right is a uh mr ron cobb now ron cobb um was a, a cartoonist and animator and actually did some work um in star wars raiders last Starfire, conan the barbarian close encounters alien okay. he's done a lot of work yeah. so it's like conceptual design work um he's legit yes he is and he is credited with being the DeLorean time travel consultant. Congratulations, Ron Cobb. Amazing. What a guy. You should go to roncobb.net. Okay. Like, actually, he's done some really cool work. I mean, I think he's long gone now, but um, there's a lot of his concept art and design work uh, from all the films and stuff on there. It's, uh, it's worth looking. He Ron, deserves a shout out. Yeah, roncobb.net. Okay. Excellent. Right, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, you can find us online at smallstuffcast.com. We are at smallstuffcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can contact us by using email at smallstuffcast.com. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Andy. Thanks, bye for now. And thank you, Maddie. Cheers. Uh, join us next time when we are looking at Casino Royale. And don't forget the small stuff.